0: Hey, I'm Eric Nelson, and you're listening to Pod Clubhouse. Pod Clubhouse.
1: Felt their eyes move over me. Felt their pity and disapproval. And it meant nothing to me. The only thing that mattered was riding away. Just as I was riding away from him. As I pondered the new journey before me, making it back to him. They watched the tears run my cheeks, and I let them. I didn't turn my face or wipe them away. Tears we can't control. Sobs and weeps are little surrenders, and I will surrender nothing to the pain. Tears may flow, but I will not weep. I am the wife of a warrior now. Which is to say, I am a warrior warriors don't cry
0: Welcome to Pod Clubhouse's coverage of 1883, a prequel series to Yellowstone. This is Caroline.
2: And this is Mike. Tonight we're discussing episode 8 of 1883, The Weep of Surrender. Tonight's episode was written by Taylor Sheridan and was directed once again by Ben Richardson.
0: Just a community note, please join us over on Facebook in the Yellowstone 1883 and 4 discussion and news group to discuss 1883 and the whole universe of Yellowstone shows.
2: We've assumed you've watched the show, and so this is not going to be a step-by-step recap. If you haven't watched the episode yet, we're definitely going to spoil things. So pause the podcast, <laughs> go watch the episode, and then come on back and listen to us break it down for probably what will be quite a while. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we always have lots to say about this one. What's your overall vibe off of this episode? How are you feeling coming away from it?
2: Ooh, you know, ep- episode eight of 10-episode seasons are interesting episodes they tend to start really setting the table for the finale. You know, the penultimate episode gets a lot of love for setting up the big cliffhanger or the big twist. But it's really always the episode eight that starts to set the table for the final conflict or the final showdown. And I think this episode does that. But it also, I felt like, really kind of shifted Elsa and our view of Elsa and how maybe we're supposed to think about Elsa, her coming into her own agency more and more as she sees it. But in the process, maybe seeming more immature in a lot of ways than she maybe has the entire series up to this point. My view of her is different at the end of this episode than it was at the beginning.
0: I'm feeling like eight, they have to unravel some things so that nine can put them all into position and ten solidifies some relationships and permanently breaks others. And I can feel that with Shay and Thomas. I feel that with Elsa and her parents. I feel that even with Sam and Elsa, like there's a game of unraveling that then we see by 10 who is solidified and who busts for good.
2: None of these bonds are feeling as unbreakable as they did even a, an episode or two ago. I mean, Shay and, Tom- Shay and Thomas is a great example of that. If not for Shay coming around to Thomas's plea to they're going to separate these two who have been a partnership for years we get the impression ain't going to do it
3: I promised I'd see it to Oregon that's what I'm going to do well free country it's going to be hard enough with you we ain't got no chance without you he never asked you for nothing. But I'm asking you now. Don't leave us, Captain.
1: Where are you going?
3: What happened to you?
1: I killed a buffalo. We had to talk to keep its strength. Where are you going?
3: Oregon, honey.
2: With you.
1: I'm not going to Oregon, staying here.
2: Shay is telling Thomas, free country. That's your response? <laughs> this man who this man who waited while you contemplated suicide at the riverbank in the first episode?
0: Well, and also, let's point out that there was another comment from Joseph about free country. And Shay's all, this is not a free country. So, like, super extra funny and weird to have him turn around and be like, free country. There's a lot of things in this episode that made me tilt my head and be like, I'm not exactly sure what's happening here. And I do Don't know the cause of it. I want to kind of delve in with you about: is it something going on with the writing? Is it something about just the way that they are trying to fray the characters that it's making us seem a little off kilter? But losing the bond between Thomas and Shay for me really made my footing feel very imbalanced and very odd. I, I didn't like it. I'm not willing to give up Thomas and Shay's partnership for Thomas and Noemi. Like I, I don't care about those two nearly as much as i cared about learning more about the partnership of shay and thomas
2: the people who would take umbrage at this statement would say well but shay decides i mean thomas asks him to stay and he decides to stay he's not actually going to leave doesn't that prove that the bond is still strong between the two of them but i think i would say to that It shouldn't have gotten to that point. Thomas, who just last week was, or two episodes ago, was still saying, you know, we don't got to listen to the farmer. If you don't want to cross the river the way he's saying cross the Red River, then we won't do it. Like, that guy is now throwing Shay over, like, I'm going to work, Captain, whether or not. Yeah,
0: I'm going with this lady that I just met 10 seconds ago. Because I made a promise
2: to her? What, Even though we're
0: monetary partners and business partners, and we agreed to do this journey together... We just so casually walk away from each other when we just kind of feel like taking another adventure. Like, what is
2: this? Right. It shouldn't have gotten to that point. This this scene shouldn't have had to happen. These two should have been on the same page beforehand. Like that conversation shouldn't have been at nighttime. The second James makes his counter offer, which we'll get to, Thomas and Shay should have been saddling up next to each other to decide how they were going to act together. How many hours have slipped by for Thomas to come up to Shay and, and Shay to say, you know, you packed yet? Well, you best get a move on. Like, this is the first time Thomas is breaking this news that, oh, I'm actually gonna part ways with you here. What if Shay said no, no, this is certain death, and I can't be a part of these guys, these immigrants all dying? What is Thomas gonna do then? He's gonna go off with Noemi and leave Shay to it shouldn't have gotten this far. It shouldn't have gotten this far. It,
0: yeah, agreed. I mean it's it's like we said, like it's fraying this relationship in order for nine and ten to decide whether they permanently bust or whether they are so solid by the end of ten, but it doesn't feel real. Like these two men had each other's backs this entire time. It doesn't feel real that they would just that they wouldn't have had multiple conversations about where they should have where they should go where each one of them want to go pros and cons like that kind of stuff like they've been reasonable with each other i'm not saying that that they're great about the council of leadership and listening to everyone but they've been able to talk to each other so yeah i struggled with this
2: let's let's stick with the Elsa part of that clip because this is a great way to get into the Elsa conversation, which is a large part, I think, of what this episode is about. I, I dare say the majority of this episode is actually about Elsa and Elsa's story. Elsa not just being a narrator for the larger story, but really being Elsa specific to the detriment of every other character's story. She ends that line with, I'm not going anywhere. I killed a buffalo. And then she rides away kind of thing. And that's the second time in this episode she has said, what did you do, Margaret says to her. And she says, I killed a buffalo. Very child stamping her foot in the delivery and in her behavior. This I'm leaving you. I'm leaving my little brother. I'm leaving my mother and father. You know, like I'm going to marry this man, even though I was married to that cowboy a month ago you know?
0: Yeah. So we discussed at the very beginning of the show that Elsa's storyline was going to be one piece of the pie. And I was uncertain whether or not our Yellowstone watchers coming over to 1883, were going to be very comfortable with this young girl's point of view, leading any part of the story. But I, I kind of rationalized it saying, well, but she's only one part. We have all of this stuff with James and Margaret. We have all of this stuff with Thomas and Shay. We even have have the immigrant story going on. And then typically each week we've had some guest stars come on and some other storyline happening. This time, Elsa took over so much of this episode. I mean, it practically felt like one of those bottle episodes where it's like you really are just talking to like one person dealing with one thing. This one incident kind of feel. It just felt like too much for me like I think that there's a lot of watchers who might sit there and say I was on board with this when she was kind of tempered with the the things like you know like the tornado or the river crossing or these these things that had to do with the journey but I'm I didn't sign on for the Elsa show I signed on for this journey that we're taking and for so many of the episodes. It's been fed to us, really spoon-fed to us, this is about the journey. That's all we have is the journey. Well, if that's what we have, then we really shouldn't be spending 90% of an episode with one character who, by all accounts, is not necessarily the one that a lot of the Yellowstone viewers would be coming over to watch. I personally felt like that was an awful lot of Elsa. And I've I've talked to some other people and they were already feeling a little bit like this was very Elsa-centric. And when I see this episode, I think they're going to go like, what? <laughs> um, how did you feel? I mean, are you okay with the balance of the character storylines? And do you think that this is going to be received very well by the audience that we know is coming from a very different place with Yellowstone?
2: I think the show up until this episode has done a really good job of using elsa as the prism through which to see everyone's journey you know how do we view margaret well we're viewing margaret through the way elsa is seeing her and changing her thoughts about it how are we seeing james we're seeing it through her relation to his relationship with his daughter the 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 pioneers that these immigrants Well, they're all on that same journey. They're all in the hell and there are demons everywhere. It's all been up to this point. She is, she is always spoken in as part of this larger group, not aside from it, not, not a person aside from the group, or has told us or shown us how to feel and who these characters are through her eyes. This episode was very much her place in the world. Aside from everyone else, like this opening clip uh, journeys is definitely a theme of this episode, right? It's a theme of the show, but it was very specifically a theme of this episode. Let's listen to this opening uh, clip from her talking about the journey.
1: This is our third day here. The longest we'd stayed in one place since the journey started. One trait all animals share, people included, no matter where we are or where we wish to be. If we're there longer than a day, we try to make a home of it. But the planes are not for home-building, not enough resources, no shelter. The planes are for the vagabonds, wanderers, and cowboys. Their home is a saddle. The sky is their roof. The ground is their bed. What they lack in material comfort is regained in the knowledge that they are always home. To them, The journey is the destination Should they find gold at the end of the rainbow They would leave it there and seek another Choosing freedom over the burden of the pot I haven't thought once of Oregon No dreams of the ocean or snow-covered mountains I only dream of the journey That is all No gold for me Just the rainbow
2: Classic Elsa voiceover, especially to introduce an episode, tell us about the themes. This, this, it's the journey, not the destination. You know, just like a thousand, you know, b- pillows and gift shops along Route 66 would also tell us. Great. Then it shifts to I've not thought about Oregon at all. I am here for the rainbow, not for the gold at the end of it. That's not what this show normally does. And not at the beginning, not in the bookends, not in the beginning and the end. That's always about the group's progress or the overarching feeling of the group's movement. Here was a very specific choice to make it Elsa specific, not my parents, not my family. And I, we haven't collectively talked about Oregon or where we're going to wind up. No, no, she's, she's throwing all of them overboard. It's, it's about me and my journey here. And I think that was jarring. It was jarring for me because it because it continued throughout the episode. It was – this whole episode was me, 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 I, 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 you know, Elsa, 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 which is not what she has really been up to this point.
0: And the thing is, is I think if it was me, 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 James or me, 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 Shay – they have had this this larger dream, this larger, bigger story that we haven't tapped into very much. But Elsa, we've spent a lot of time with her in the last couple of episodes, and her story is very small. Who do I who am I in love with this week? What is going on with me? Whereas, like James's story, in my mind is huge. He's got this dream of this ranch and this huge idea is like I would have loved to like put my little spigot in James and and turn it on and, and get some
1: get something <laughs> out of him
0: <laughs> get something out of him that told me more about his innards you know like I want to know his inner thoughts I want to know again, we're with Shay and we do have some lovely conversations between him and Charlie in terms of shedding some light again on Shay's sort of like finishing out his ride. Kind oh, of feel. when he
2: says this is my final trail, I was like, no, Shay, Shay, stop with this talk. This, this, I'm not coming. I don't need a return ticket talk. Oh. But do you know,
0: like, okay, to that point and not really, you know, going very far in his story and, and why I felt a little cheated when people do that, when this is their final ride, they typically spend a lot of time sharing their wisdom with others they spend a lot of time sharing their experiences with others any kind of like lessons learned there's almost like this this imparting of like any amount of things that i can tell you the better right and yet this is the most closed off Shay has felt this is the most like we're not using him at all as a character on the show in this episode in my opinion he's being sidelined and I, I feel kind of sad about that because he were he bas- they basically reminded us this is my final ride, this is how I'm feeling, and also as a story we're not going to really investigate that anymore at least in this episode, and that made me feel sad. You know, like I was like I would have rather spent a little more time with Shay between him and Thomas maybe discuss why he's okay with going to Denver when he was supposed to be showing his wife the ocean. Like, I want some clarity on that. Like, what happened, Shay? You know, that you're 100% okay with that. I get it. It's safer for the immigrants. But you had your own personal quest that through your eyes, your wife was going to see the ocean again. You just walked away from that in a couple sentences? I need some more understanding of that. And that's that's where I get kind of angry about Elsa's story in this episode. It's not really Elsa's story. It's the lack of... Of story for the other characters that I care well, about. Well, it's taking
2: too. all of the oxygen out of the room, though, right? I mean, it is at, at, at fifty-four minutes. They only have so many minutes, and you know, right. and you're devoting forty-nine of them to to Elsa being Elsa, Elsa, Elsa. Right. Which again is, but I think that's a departure. Like there have been sh- there have been episodes, and and especially since Ennis his, his especially since Ennis's death, they've been very Elsa focused or have had a lot of Elsa. This is like next level this episode. This episode yes. was next level because e- even when she's not on screen, she's still the topic of conversation, right? right. Shay even says I'm um, I'm going to Oregon, I'm going with you. Like he's thinking about Elsa and being Wait, there. And like
0: but oh my god, just like let's have a just pump the brakes for 1 second. I'm
2: pumping them. Eep.
0: Shay just said to a teenager I'm going where you're going. What? This man has had his eyes set on a private journey between him and his wife. This was, again, has a business partner in Thomas and an agreement with immigrants to get them to a location. All of that is thrown out in one sentence? Come on.
2: What do you mean by that? Because he's saying he in fact, he's not leaving the trail. He's actually going to continue with this party and get them and get his wife to the beach and and do the things that he was hired to do.
0: What I mean by that is why would he even utter the words? I'm hitching my wagon to a teenager's journey.
2: I think he misjudges in this scene. and, And I think we as an audience misjudged what this new relationship This grandfather-granddaughter relationship that they have established between Shay and Elsa. I think for Shay, it was a very significant moment, him talking to her in the episode after Ennis' death, and then her coming up to him at the end of the episode and saying, you know, you're the only one who talked to me, and giving him a kiss on the cheek. I think he thought that they had like a grandfatherly relationship like he he has sublimated Elsa in for his own daughter in his mind his heart is kind of like well for, you know I have someone maybe to live for now I have this new daughter figure in my life that I can watch over Shay is a protector right he says to James you have to lead them I'll protect them I'll keep them safe but you have to lead them Shay wants to protect someone he wants to be able to throw his body in harm way to keep someone safe and i think he thinks that that is elsa now as as an avatar for the larger group because of that development and shared experience of of, lo- of losing a loved one i felt embarrassed for him when he said that not because he said that i thought that was sweet and it was consistent with that other, the two episodes ago her response was i'm not going anywhere hm. I killed the buffalo and like walks away. I was embarrassed for Shay. Think about this poor, sweet man who thinks he's got this, 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 this fatherly or grandfatherly relationship with this girl. And she's like, no, I don't want to be with you.
0: Eh. I'm saying, We're saying the same thing. I'm saying how awkward and embarrassing to change this character to be someone who is going to hitch his wagon to a
2: teenager. He left himself bare thinking that they had this relationship. And then she's like, no, I really don't actually care about you. I'm all about hot Sam, Comanche Sam. That's what was embarrassing for him. Not the sentiment. If she had said, that makes me so happy, I would have loved that scene. And I wouldn't have thought it was pretty, like, he he, he opening himself up about being vulnerable. This is a guy who has lost All of his love. He said, I, no one loves me that's in this world right now. So if she had returned that and said, man, that makes me so happy. I want, you know, I, I, I'm excited to continue this journey and I'm happy you're staying. I would have been devastated had you left this, this party. Something like that. I would have been like, yeah, that feels right for that relationship that they established two episodes ago. I felt embarrassed for him because he did open himself up, left himself bare, vulnerable to, to this love grandfatherly fatherly paternal kind of love that he is that he's finding in her and she said no I don't really care I'm going over I have a new family. That's what left me feeling embarrassed for him and sad for for Shay. But she had no respect for him to even break it to him easily. She didn't even say gently be like I can't continue. I this I have this new love in my life. She she handled it as coldly and as meanly as you possibly could have done it.
0: It's not true to his character and it's not true to that relationship doesn't make sense at that level for him to say I'm going to follow you. We come to the same conclusion at the end of the day. Yeah, like That was sure. a terrible move on his part and he shouldn't have put that amount of emotional cachet into this girl like at all for, for a variety of reasons. And we can have our different reasons, but really at the end of the day, there is no reason why he should have that amount of devotion to her.
2: Let's keep talking about Elsa, though, because I think the show had been portraying her as someone more mature than her years would belie, whatever years that is. Right. And and because she, she writes so eloquently and she she is so open to experience. And this episode felt like a really cold shower reminder that she is actually still, in fact, a child. And everything she did in this episode felt like a child, like a, especially like a teenager having like a rebellion, stomping of their feet slash tantrum slash testing of your boundaries from from the I killed a buffalo like defiantly defiantly like like I'm gonna walk around with blood on my face because I want you to ask me I want you to ask me why do I have blood on my face so I can tell you I killed a buffalo and I ate its heart with my man which annoying and whatever and if like my kid did that I would be super annoyed at my kid but then when Sam shows up with the horse james calls her out of the tent and she says to john like stay in here you don't want to see this she knows what's coming she's like she's like rubbing her hands together like like a like a bomb villain because she knows she's about to go like force an issue with her parents james says to her do you know what he's asking her response is not again same way she coldly dealt with shay isn't let me talk to you let me you know i love him it is I understand what he's asking, except the horse daddy. Could you imagine telling to your father, even at the age you are now? I understand what's being asked here. I know what this conversation is about, except the horse daddy. No, like, no, no.
0: It does not reflect the relationship between James and Elsa. It may re- reflect the relationship between Margaret and Elsa, but it really doesn't give enough credit to... To the respect that he has given her, really the the free reign that he has allowed her. You're right about the that she is relishing too much the whole like sneak attack on James that he is not expecting this that this really is throwing him for a loop and she's enjoying that and and that feels again like what the. F- Frig, girl it like you it guys had mean. a very solid relationship as a father and daughter and he a hundred percent had your back this entire time why are you essentially embarrassing him in front of your future husband here why are you doing that why are you playing it this way
2: is it possible is it possible because now that you're saying it that way and i hadn't thought about that way but let's back up to earlier in the episode when margaret and elsa are in the tent Listening to James argue with Shay about where the immigrants should go and what they're going to be doing. Let's listen to this this clip here because I'm curious. Maybe this is what why Elsa is acting this way.
4: Do you want to go to Denver? I haven't factored what I want into this once. <sighs> There's a map in your father's mind. No one can stop him from following it. No sense in trying. He said to trust him. I'm trusting him. Do you trust him? You know why he lets you run wild, don't you? Because he trusts me too. Because he knows dresses is your future. No matter where we go. You're wearing dresses. And raising babies and sweating over a garden. And swallowing every dream you've ever had. Because that's all the world wants from you. may find some place where we can hold the world off for a while, but they'll find us there, too, and bring all their rules with it.
2: Because she says, do you know why your father lets you run wild? And her response is, like you just said, it's because he trusts me. Because, you know, that he treats me with respect and trust. And Margaret's response is, no. No, 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 no. It's because he knows you're going to be trapped in dresses and having to swallow all of your dreams uh, and do what society tells you to when we get wherever we're going. He's letting you be wild free now. It's not because he trusts you. It's just because he knows that you're going to have zero movement and freedom when we get wherever we're going to go. Maybe that pissed her off. Maybe Elsa's thinking about that. Maybe she's Maybe she's thinking she's been a little betrayed by James and how he's treating her.
0: I 1000% feel like she feels betrayed by all of them in terms of leading her to a cage. This feels really horrible, and and as a as a woman listening to this, when I heard swallow all the dreams you ever had, all that stuff, my heart broke in half. You better get ready to put on your dress again, and you're just and all you're gonna be is, is someone who raises kids and and tends to your garden and all that stuff that Margaret said. That was cruel to say to somebody. That, that was especially your daughter. I understand being truthful and understanding. About you know what society has set for her, but I think there's a way of saying like you're going to need to carve out a niche for yourself within your own family where you can ride and you can you know you can wear pants in your own freaking house. No one's going to tell you you can't. You know what I mean? Like there's parts to this that I feel like I don't know what she's doing here. I, I feel like she was trying to break Elsa's spirit. And in doing so, you're right. She just emboldened her to be like, you know what? Then why would I let you lead me by the neck to a a cage? Why would I do that? And, And it makes perfect sense. At that point, I don't actually look at her as being... Overly immature or childlike for the rest of the episode. I feel like it, it's exactly how I would feel if someone was literally saying, "I'm going to put a necker, I'm going to put a noose around your neck, and I'm going to lead you to a cage that you're going to be locked in forever, and you're going to have to swallow all of your dreams." Well, what person in their right mind would go? You know, they they would be like, "No way!" So I get it, and maybe I think you could be right about the way that it was phrased. It absolutely made james seem like the villain of that like he knows so he's just placating you so that you'll go so that you can get to the cage's edge you know and we can shove you in and lock the door so that does seem really heinous i'm just bummed because we spent eight episodes or seven episodes building this relationship from seeing them on that train platform hugging each other and the special bond that they had and and the respect that they had for each other to just watch it kind of dissolve Ah, it makes me so sad
2: i want to come back to what you just said and what james really feels about his daughter because again it's a little confusing because then he, he has this great conversation with Margaret. Before we get to that conversation, let's listen to... This is the voiceover Elsa does while she's making love to Sam underneath the stars, which what a great part of being out in the prairie when the world wasn't super settled that you could just go have sex under the stars. That seems super romantic and I'm totally I was into thinking, it. thinking
0: though, like, is it completely impractical to be naked all the time? Like, for, <sighs> between so bugs. So... No, but between bugs and snakes and then just like at any given time you need to jump up and like run for your life or something. It just seems like, man, I'd, I'd be sleeping with my boots
2: on if the rest of me was naked. Did you catch where James <laughs> says uh, I'm sure all these immigrant kids are messing around. It was just our daughter didn't hide it.
0: I appreciated that actually. I, I I appreciated the sentiment that you know while while we're all focused on Elsa and her antics, like don't think that the rest of the people aren't doing this. And that's where I think this episode was super meta. Like there was a lot of parts where I feel like the that the characters were actually looking at the audience and saying, like, hey, isn't this crazy? Or like, hey, just because we're showing Elsa, don't think she's the only kid doing this. Like
2: So picking up on again her mother's words in her head, picking up on your going to get somewhere. You're going to be put in your cage. You're going to have to wear your dresses. You're going to have to swallow your dreams. Elsa has this voiceover as she's making love to her man.
1: I understood my mother's worry. My choices make no sense in her world where customs and prejudice rule where law cannot reach. There will be customs and prejudice here too, I'm sure. But they were born of this world and belong in it. To import the traditions of the place you fled, the place that failed you, is to condemn the place you seek, the same failures.
2: Is it childlike or naive to think that she can avoid the pitfalls that her mother is warning her of? Because she's acknowledging this place, meaning I think her life with the Comanches, may also have similar rituals and customs that bind her in her freedom, but at least it won't be the ones that my parents are bringing with them from society. Is, that, is it the hubris of youth the, to yes. that you could do it better?
0: I mean, somewhat, knowing that, at least in this case, her partner, Sam, doesn't seem to want to hold her back to whatever kind of, like, super traditional roles of a woman. Like, he's 100% willing to treat her, at least at this point, as a partner, like, to race on the horses and and to trust her to be the one to, like, shoot the buffalo as opposed to him being like, no, 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 you go back with the other woman and I'll do it. Like, he seems to be treating her as more of an equal. So, in that regard, I mean... I mean, everything she's being told about like polite society is you will never be an equal you will never be treated right you'll never be you know able to actually be who you want to be i mean i think if you're comparing the two situations I mean, I think you have to choose something with a little bit of freedom and like the possibility. I appreciated that they mentioned the culture, the cultural like traditions and that stuff of the Comanche people, because it actually did. I kind of like took a pause and was like, yeah, any society you're in is going to have limits. Any society you're in is going to have roles that people play. This one seems to have at least a small pocket of people, because maybe this isn't even representative of the whole Comanche people. But this little group of people seems pretty easygoing about her participating in whatever activity she wants to, you know, writing or killing or sewing or whatever she wants to be doing seems to be okay.
2: You did have you did have that conversation in the tent, though, with the with the pants makers. Uh, The one woman saying you you ride and dress like a like a horseman, but you're a woman. I don't understand you.
0: Very very good point. Yes, that yeah. Obviously there's there's a traditional role for women, and it's not that. So is she going to get pressure from the other women, or even are the other men going to pressure Sam to be like, "Why you can't be letting this woman hang out with the rest of us? Like we're not cool with that." Yeah. So yeah, no, you're right. There's going to be some societal norms within the Comanche group that is going. Going to be like, ah, we're not OK with that.
2: Right. The idea that two feathers would laugh and, and and joke with Sam about how she rides too good for white man pants. That's probably not everyone's take in the Comanche tribe of these badass warriors that hunt and stuff, you know, they're probably not all going to be cool with Elsa, you know, riding and taking down Buffalo with Sam. At some point, Sam is going to be like, well, you got to stay here while we go ride?
0: The other guys are not going to be okay with it, I don't yeah, know. No, that's
2: what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I agree. Like, And she's going to be like, the fuck? Like, I came here because yeah. I didn't want to be in a cage and now you're telling me I can't go, I can't live as I want to live?
0: You know what? He could be being super cool right now because they just met each other and whatever, this the is all funny. Games, yeah, and again, even within this tiny group, but you get the impression that this tiny group goes back and meets up with a larger group of people. And at some point, when that happens, they're not going to be absorbed in the same way
2: to that point. I mean, Sam later uh, tells where she lives.
3: My land is with Kona Parker, south of the Wichita Mountains. I'll build her house if that's what she wants, but. I think she would rather chase bandits with me. She would. But she's young. Young change her minds. What if she changes her mind about you? Then I will bring her back to you. How will you find me? White men think the world is so big because you fight against it when you travel. We move with it like the wolf. It's small to us.
2: I'll find him. That's interesting because Quanah Parker was like the Comanche leader. Um, he was specifically a war leader of the I'm going to say Quahadi band of the Comanche Nation, uh, which Quahadi I guess translates into antelope. But he was when the government became involved. They appointed him essentially the chief of the Comanches. He was like the leader of the Comanches. Sam is essentially saying here, not only are they going to rejoin with a larger group, but they're rejoining with the guy, the guy who, you know, runs the Comanches. It's not like they're just some splinter cell. Like he's she's going to be living amongst the core warriors of this warrior tribe of, of uh, you know, Comanche Nation.
0: It would be the exception, not the rule, if they allowed her to play as equal to them. You know, way the exception, not the rule. I mean, if you're going to join a group, especially a group that, that would have any type of warriors, I don't really care what they are, you would have to prove yourself i mean that's like a big part of this culture is proving yourself that you're like ready to be a warrior and the idea that you would just bring this chick along and right. like accept her as equals to all of us and right. you'd be like i don't think so
2: interesting so an interesting little fact and i wonder if the show was thinking this when or taylor was thinking about this when he made this wrinkle and, and made the storyline so You'll notice Quanah Parker. Parker is not an, an Indian name. It is, in fact, a white person's name. Um, Quana Parker's mother was born. Cynthia Ann Parker was a member of a large frontier family. She was, the, she was one of nine kids. I believe one of many kids. She was kidnapped by the Comanches when she was only nine years old and raised up as a Comanche herself from nine years old and eventually married the man that would, and would become, uh, Parker's, you know, parents. You know, so his mother was a white woman. Interesting that you have Sam essentially acquiring this white woman in this tribe and bringing her back home. You know, it's just an interesting dynamic. And I'm sure the show is probably mirroring something there and trying to say that maybe it's not as far fetched that maybe she would be accepted because obviously, what is Cynthia, Cynthia Ann Parker is going to look her nose down on Elsa? You know, but maybe. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting parallel and wrinkle to the real life Quanta Parker story.
0: It is definitely. But um, what, I think what I said, I'm willing to stand behind the idea that it would be the exception and not the rule to allow an outsider of any culture to. To come in and be treated as an equal, and most especially equal to the most respected warriors. Like that would be very unusual.
2: Right. And Sitiana Parker, you know, from the age of nine growing up among the Comanches, by the time she is even the age that Elsa is, is firmly entrenched in Comanche life. I mean, you have this woman coming in who doesn't know the language, is just kind of learning phonetically the language, you know, doesn't know the the ways of the people beyond the short time she has spent with Sam and, and his immediate tribe people here. She very much is going to be a stranger coming into this larger group. You have to imagine there's going to be some, some growing pains for her that she's not taking into account right now.
0: Well, and even if it was just for just like a, a hot second, I mean, the other women in, you know, when they were working on her chaps, they were side-eyeing her. They weren't being rude to her, but they were like... What is happening and i mean that's all you need to know to know that the rest of the group is going to be like what (laughs) you know like what is happening here
2: james has gotten some flack i know among fans for being too cool with his daughter's ways and the falling in love and the men and the sex and the running off and being too rational too level-headed maybe even for the time but this conversation of She's almost like a commodity. You know, what if she changes her mind? What's your return policy? Do you need a if you have your receipt? Right. You know, like all of that. It was very it was very transactional listening to Sam and James talk about it. It made me feel uncomfortable watching them talk about a human this way a human that where love is supposed to be involved
0: here's the saddest thing okay so societally though when he said what will you do if she if she's not in love with you anymore and he said i'll i'll return her to you i wasn't even thinking of that return policy thing i was thinking of from like a relief thing like like oh phew he'll like give her back to her family sad right like because the alternative is that most men would be like we're married for life and i'll kill her if she tries to leave (laughs) you know like there's some there's an alternative there that's a much uglier response that sam could have had and i was so relieved he didn't that i completely ignored the part that it was like um she's a human what is this conversation (laughs) like you know that's sad but that's where that's where my mind went when i was listening to the conversation
2: I mean, I guess, yeah. I I found them both very reasonable, and i'm and, and I was happy that Sam wasn't like, whatever, man. We scout you know, no, you're right. I don't want. Yeah, it's
0: weird, but it was, was like how sad that even in 2022, I'm like, well, that's nice that he'd return her. Like,
2: right, that's right. terrible. I, I, yes, it did strike me. I was like, Sam is being very reasonable here, because I'm sure there are, there must be men who would be like. Whatever. Once we're married, like she is essentially my property. There is no return policy. So I'm happy that he wasn't like that. But at the same time, it's a human they're talking about. It's not like right. uh, it's. I mean, I, 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 I firmly believe in people who like. I don't like people who get pets as as holiday presents. You know, <laughs> like that's kind of felt like the same thing. Like, don't return your Elsa in January when Christmas is coming. Gone. That being said, it was an interesting conversation listening to Sam and james talk about the land and the way white people fight against the land and so it makes it seem so big i loved sam's like confidence that he could just traverse the entire northwest of this country and he's like i can find her like no doubt i like that swagger i i i, I get why else is like into it like there's there's it's an attractive to have that kind of self-confidence so. yeah
0: well and it made sense in many ways i felt like he was judging the Duttons, but this group as a whole of like, you guys aren't getting off the path. You're gonna follow the path, right? And you're gonna and you're gonna get off where it ends. So I'll just follow the path and get off where it ends. You're not gonna be too far off the path. You know? I, literally
2: at the end of the episode, you know, Shay and James stare down at the wagon wheel tracks in the dirt. Are like, and uh, Shay says, yeah. "At least we got a path to follow." <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A, yeah, like, yeah like, I get you're that.
0: just gonna put your wagon on the same trail, and you know, you're you're not so creative as you think. You're not being the adventurer even that you think you are
2: while we're in this section of the episode let's let's uh pay homage to this yellowstone shout out easter egg that clearly was intended i think uh when sam talks about fighting for your land
3: no chance you want to come to oregon i fought too hard for what land we have left doubt the fighting's over i'll marry your daughter but i still belong to the people and the people belong to this land we don't dare leave it. Maybe someday you find land to belong to. And you'll know what I mean.
2: Oh, the Duttons know about fighting for their land that they feel, you know, that they feel they a certainly part of. do. Uh, so I thought that was a nice little, nice little shout out to the old Yellowstone and the Duttons of the future.
0: I think even the Sam and Elsa uh, pairing feels like a shout out to Monica and Casey. Oh, for sure. yeah, And Great. and there's a lot there that that feels like, you know, we talk a lot about over on the Yellowstone podcast, you know, whether their marriage is what is actually going to kind of bring this full circle. And so I find it fascinating if this does go this way, although, my goodness, for, for us to just sort of like have Sam and Elsa be essentially married in this episode and then moving on. The pacing in this is wild so much happens. <laughs>
2: it's wild considering that the timeline doesn't seem to be moving nearly so fast. I
0: know. It's been like a day.
2: <laughs> it, 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 it's been three, but in the same place since the three. tornado.
0: Mike, three? You're actually correcting me to three? Think about that. Like, they fell in love and got married. <laughs> right,
2: that's, that's, that's my exact point. Like, it's been a whole week, you know, and it's she says at the beginning, it's, we're, we've been in the same place for three days. They're fixing their eight wagons kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. all of this. But that only means it's only been less than, it's been less than 14 days since ennis died can like, i just say that's if wild. i was over there
0: working on my freaking wagon and like sweating over it if like over in the weeds i'm hearing sam and elsa have sex for like the third time that day i am rip shit at like the the fooling around that's going on while i'm over here trying to get my wagon wheels steady I like, i'd be like cut it out
2: that's a very good point. It is a very good
0: point. <laughs> There's children around here. Could you make some lunch or something? <laughs> like, I, I yeah, I'm just saying. Like, Elsa, oh my god, <laughs>
2: Elsa. I also, I think, I think
0: she's I think. like Dennis the Menace around camp. She's just like getting into stuff, and I mean, I feel like her parents are like Mr. Wilson. They're always like Dennis.
2: <laughs> she's also like Billy in Family Circle like you ask yeah, her to go get sure. milk in the kitchen and she leaves the house she goes on the trampoline through the neighbor's <laughs> yeah. yard t- right. plays with the dog you know she does 19 has different things has sex with several people <laughs> gets married twice and then Always comes in, in love
0: with them right and
2: forgets the milk she comes back into the room and doesn't have the milk oh
0: my gosh but does have like but does have blood all over their face and is like i killed a buffalo <laughs> i killed a buffalo uh
2: and to be clear she doesn't add the hmm, in the episode i'm just reading that into the the body language of the thing. <laughs> right. I, we, we didn't even really talk about Elsa and little John, her brother. Again, when the show starts, she rooms with him. She's kind of charged with being the built-in Daycare—that's all been abandoned. When was the last time? Uh, until this episode, when she tells him, "I'm leaving. I don't—I don't got time for this shit no more. I'm—I'm I'm selling my stuff and I'm going." When was the last time these two had a scene together? And where's the sibling rearing going on? That again was established in the beginning of the episode. She's leaving John in the dust as well as I think her she parents.
0: Just moved on. I don't think she cares. I mean, That's sex rough, is like that. I guess. Dude, sex is like that. Are you kidding me? I, I mean. Guess god do you not remember being a young person having sex like it is a hundred percent like that Where like you walk away from your best friend you'll walk away from anybody at that point because you're like whatever this is intoxicating and i'm in love
2: i appreciate your assumption that i was able to have sex when i was younger
0: well you were younger than you are today you have a child so i assume you had sex at some point as a younger I, that person, would be, than that would now. be
2: quite the mystery. Had I not, um, let's we we circled. We touched on this a little bit before, but we, I think we would be remiss if we didn't. If we left this without talking about how Margaret and James talk about their daughter when she's not around, because, again, it also – Margaret is telling Elsa, your father lets you do X, Y, and Z because he knows you're going to be in a cage at the end of this trip, not because he trusts you, right? But then you have the way James talks about Elsa – in this episode and, and and kind of consistently Margaret talks about the way James actually feels about Elsa but James is pretty consistent about how he talks about Elsa let's listen she gets racing up that hill for me
3: what the way she loves she gets there for me that's what scares you so bad
1: you're not scared
3: my fear is selfish I just want to be with her know her children when she has them but I can't alter the course of her
2: life just cause how bad I'm gonna miss her She'll change her mind. I actually think James and Elsa really are more on the same page and it's being, Elsa's getting her information on what her father thinks about her through her mother. And I think Margaret really has a inaccurate feeling about Elsa the way James sees her, right? Because think, think of when Sam is walking away and Elsa is walking with Sam, she turns to James and she says, she says, stop him, shoot him, do something. And James sits down. That is how James has dealt with all of Elsa's stuff. Whether it was Ennis, whether it was going to watch The Herd, whether it was just living this cowboy life, whether it's going off with her hot Comanche boyfriend, the turned husband. It's always been. James has always just kind of been like, what are we going to do? She's an adult. Like, I've made the decision to treat her like an adult, as sad as that makes me. It's really Margaret, I think, maybe, that is... Pissing in the well water here of this relationship.
0: Mm, From Margaret's point of view, she is speaking the truth. She so she's kind of leaning into some Claire talk for me that is it's it leaves a bad taste in your mouth, but it's not wrong. So this kind of leads me to my this is us uh, mantra that we have over on that podcast, which is both things can be true. It can be both that, you know, that this is the way of the world as Margaret sees it and also James and and Margaret both are pretty perplexed about what to do with this, you know, round peg in the square hole. Like, what are you going to do with her when you get to the other end? They're constantly playing catch-up with her because they're because the few times they've had an opportunity to really communicate, like the river conversation, they got too bogged down in metaphors and pretty talk and they didn't actually have a conversation. So then they're playing catch-up with her after she's gone and had sex because she just said things like your heart and stuff like that. So ugh, if they had had some more real conversations with her, maybe this would look a little bit different. But at this point, she is so far ahead of them and they are going to be playing catch up the rest of the series, in my opinion.
1: I don't recall anyone forcing you. <laughs> Who the hell do you think you are? <sighs> I...
4: What is so funny? Honestly, Claire, I don't have the energy or the interest to continue this conversation.
1: Well (laughs) He's a dreamer, Margaret. Always has been. And they never come true.
4: It's coming true, Claire.
1: No.
3: This is not a dream. This is the nightmare.
1: You'll
0: see. I mean, honestly, can you not hear Margaret playing that clear part and Elsa playing the Margaret part of being like, I don't have the time or the energy to listen to this. I've got Sam waiting for me. I got to go. Like, there's no, like, mistaking, like, what has happened here.
2: Right. And, and we said back in episode two where that clip is from, uh, Margaret is being an antagonist to claire there but there's a look on margaret's face watch the scene again there's a look on margaret's face where you see she has worries that claire is right or secretly agrees with claire and just can't be saying it out loud because she's decided to trust james and we've seen that faith and that trust waiver several times in this episode how many times i mean in 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 hooch veritas right with rita wilson is she lashes out about how you're costing us our daughter this is all your fault the episode before that you didn't tell us how you didn't tell me how hard it was going to be there's been several times where margaret has lashed out at james about bringing them low and 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 always specifically aiming at What it's doing to their daughter. Even in this episode, that clip starts off with her saying, our daughter's feral. And James says, do you really want to run that out of her? Do you really want to take that away from who she has become? And Margaret is the one saying she can't act this way when we get where we're going, which is what she tells Elsa James is thinking earlier in the episode. I think the cage door is being held open by maybe Margaret and not by James, but maybe... It It is persuasive for Margaret to sell Elsa on the fact that it's James that thinks that.
0: I think it's reality, though. It's, it's going back to the whole Claire conversation. I mean, it's it is not wrong. You know, it is it, it doesn't and it really doesn't matter if James thinks that or doesn't think that. It is the reality of it. And so if she is playing the good cop, bad cop and saying, oh, your dad is just doing it like this because of this. OK, but but point taken that the reality of the situation is when we get there, no matter which parent thinks this is the, the outcome for you, it's going to be the outcome for you.
2: I want to come here because this is actually a nice Splint off of that episode 2 clip We just played but also this uh, this Dreamer and trust and believer Conversation because this was a great part of James and Margaret having I think these two have great conversations at Nighttime only it's the only time they really seem to talk
4: She's feral You always <laughs> talked about how you'd raise our Boys to be men and you started with Her when we get back to any Form of civilization I'm gonna have to undo All of that you really won't Oh, please, James, let me deal with one dreamer at a time.
3: You're a dreamer, too. You wouldn't be with me if you weren't.
4: I'm a believer, honey. There's a difference.
3: Fair enough.
2: Why does she have to conform to these rules? Why can't James maybe be right? I understand Claire's reasoning and and clearly Margaret believes that. And and we've all along said Margaret, whether by choice or by circumstance, has been forced into the straight man role. While James and Elsa are off being the dreamers, Margaret has been the one who has had to make sure camp is taken care of and John is alive and, and all those kinds of things. Isn't it fair to ask? Noemi and Thomas had this conversation. Why does the government get to say, who do we love? Why do we have to wind up in a place where we have to live by the old rules?
0: Because that's the society that they live in at the time. We're watching 1882 play out over in the Gilded Age. And like, why? Because society exists. Once you get into a city or even a small town, you have to go along to get along. Maybe if they lived far enough away from society, maybe possibly they could Mm -hmm. somehow create a life that's not really what she wants i mean she wants to be who she is openly out in regular society like she doesn't want to be on the outskirts of the civilization she wants to be able to be a part of the world and do things but it's just not going to work out the only place that she is free is on the outskirts i don't i don't think that it's like the chosen place necessarily as much as it's like the place she can be free
2: what about this idea? And, and I think this goes back to what you said towards the top of this episode that James is someone that we want to put a spigot in and really get inside his brain because because I know you do. Uh, what is
0: that? Are you What do you think I'm like attracted to Tim McGraw? What is all that?
2: Well, he's got that that thick beard right now.
0: Honestly, it's that he he has been this leader of this group. They've they've left it at this vague dreamer talk. It's very vague who he's right. supposed to be you know he doesn't really have a plan we're not really sure and so i i really want to dig into that because i i want to understand like what are his layers what are the the different you know complicating ideas that he has in his brain that he's pushing and pulling with his wife and all these things are happening we're, we don't actually have like if, if i said pull all the clips that show who james is yeah. you'd you'd be hard pressed. You would uh, have a series of he's a dreamer.
2: Yeah, no, it's true. And and even in this episode, Margaret and Elsa, we played the clip earlier. She says your father's got a map inside of his head and I'm trusting him to take us there. So my thought is what well, I have a question. I have a thought and then I have a question.
0: You have a thought and a
2: question. I have a okay. thought and a question. So this idea of it, it's fanciful to think, why can't we be? who we want to be is fanciful and not believable if you're winding up in Oregon. We get the crib sheet. We know that they don't go to Oregon. We know that Dutton settle in the middle of nowhere land, right? They settle in a land next to a valley of bison. We know that at some point, James is going to choose making a new fresh start. Now, my question is, shouldn't he be having this conversation with his wife? I mean, when Margaret says, I haven't been involved, my wishes haven't been asked one time in any part of this decision, she says to her daughter, which clearly she's bitter about, understandably so, and she says, I know your father has a map inside of his head, going all the way back to episode one, I'll know the land when I see it, I don't have a plan, but I kind of have a plan, like, James and Margaret... This feels like a conversation that they probably should have. Hey, you're not really headed to Portland. So where are we going, James? I know you've got something cooking in your brain. Where? What are you thinking here? you keep thinking, you keep intimating like, Elsa won't need to live by the rules of society. I don't understand that. Show me, tell me what you're thinking. Let me inside your process a little bit. Doesn't that feel like a conversation that these two devoted husband and wife should be having at some point? Yes
0: a thousand percent especially because when they actually have these sit-down conversations they tend to seem connected and equal and not condescending towards each other and not angry towards each other most of the time you know it's been pretty rare actually where they've been like not understanding where each other's coming from it's this vagueness that that i'm i'm ready in episode eight to get to know the top two billing people. I want to know James and Margaret Dutton. You know, in eight episodes in, I feel like that's not a lot to ask as an audience member. You know, I mean, they are one and two on the call sheet, I imagine, you know, because Shay, unfortunately, has been sidelined. You know, Sam Elliott would have been top billing at the very, very beginning because, you know, him and, and Thomas were so important. But at this point, I mean, he's a a footnote in this episode. I need to know and understand more about James Dutton, and I don't want to sideline anything with the women. I think it is super important to continue to show how much they contribute and show what they're thinking and what they're going through. I don't think that at this point, it makes sense to not have a better grasp on James.
2: Mothers and daughters are an important part of the show. It has been a part of the conversation with Elsa and how she views her mother let's listen to this clip of these two talking about love and age and what love is and how old we have to be when we understand what love is but also the duty and obligation that a parent feels towards their child
1: you barely recognize me either i'm happier for it. what's the worst that could happen to me mama mark my words you will get hurt How many dead lovers have you laid against? I've been plenty hurt.
4: Don't talk to me about love. You barely understand the concept. I worked a sharecropper farm for three years, pregnant with you while your father lay rotting
1: in a war prison. And how old were you then? Seventeen. Somehow you knew love at my age, but I don't understand the concept. It's different. It's not different.
4: It's exactly the same. Here's the difference. You were my child. When you fall down, and you will, it is my duty to pick you up. I can't do that if I don't know where you are, and if I don't know what you've become.
1: It's not your duty anymore, Mother. I love you. But I'm a woman. I pick myself up.
2: There's a lot to unpack there. I don't even know where to start. I guess the best place to start is this idea of the difference is you're my child, and I have a duty to pick you up when you get hurt. And and I don't think she says that with malice or anger. I think she's saying it as like a point of pride. Like that's a part of what being a parent is. This always wanting to help prevent your child from being injured or or mitigating their injury for as much as they can. I think it's really interesting when she says, if I don't know what you've become, that's a really specific word choice. Yeah. To, to to use there. What what do you think of this scene? As a mother and as a daughter, how did this scene hit you?
0: I felt Margaret's anguish about. This whole thing about my own parents and their parents kind of kept, you know, a, a tight circle around their kids. And, you know, I live like two miles away from my parents' house. Um, my brother lives <laughs> half a mile away from me. Like we're all right here in many ways. And, and I, so I understand and I grew up with that type of mentality of like sticking close, taking care of each other. What you've become. language is very troubling i don't think that's very respectful i think that it it feels it does feel condescending to me like
2: right because she's not saying it like uh, what you've become in like i don't know are you dead in a ditch she's saying i i took it as what kind of woman are you you know riding around eating hearts of animals
0: you don't use the word what referring to a person you use the word who When you refer to a person who you have become, what you have become implies you're a thing and without humanity, right? right? Like somehow you're you're like a creature or something like, I mean, it's the night before. She says she's feral.
2: She she calls her if she calls her and not in a cute way in a I have to beat this out of her kind of way.
0: I mean, and this is the type of stuff that I'm talking about when we get down to the end of this story, you know, and, and we have I'm positive a division between Margaret and Elsa. There were opportunities for communication that didn't have to be nasty, that didn't have to be confusing, that didn't have to be cruel Things like what you've become. How are you supposed to receive that as the other person? Whether whoever you are, they could be a peer to Margaret. It it doesn't even have to be mother or daughter. How are you supposed to respond to that? Besides like you're looking down on at me and you're judging me so harshly that I'm not even a who anymore. I'm a what? Uh, The whole like I don't have the time or the energy to want to have this conversation with you comes sweeping back in.
2: Let's talk about using our ages to to rationalize or defend the position that we are an adult. Adults don't actually ever use their age as a defense that they're an adult that that is that is a child i'm
0: a grown-up grown-ups don't say they're a grown-up right (laughs) exactly
2: only kids or or teenagers or the very immature say things like i'm 18 and the law recognizes me in this adult as an adult so i'm an adult or i am an adult woman now i pick myself up only people who are not actually adults say they're adults so when she says here at the end you know, I'm an adult. I pick myself up. I wouldn't be so quick to cast off the helping arms of your mother and father. As you know, again, I think that's the hubris of youth, though, right? That's something I think so many people don't realize until mom and dad aren't there anymore, either because of the relationship has soured or because they pass away or whatever. It's such a a, a kid thing. It's such a teenager thing of I can do this myself you don't really understand what that means. Like that is a bluff. You don't ever actually want called. And Elsa is forcing the situation. But the issue
0: with that is I'm, I'm going to counter that and say, Margaret is forcing that situation. If you're going to stop calling me a human and you're going to start calling me a what, then for me, like you're no longer viewing me as even a person. Then this conversation is not going anywhere. And yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly, a grown-up never says like, can you imagine being at work and like yelling at another lawyer and saying I'm an adult. And so I'm going to do it this way. Like who, everyone would be like, is he, has he lost his mind? I'm an adult. Like what? No one ever says that. But you only say that when you feel like the other person is belittling you to the point of it being like, see me, see me for who I am. And, and, And what what is standing in front of you in terms of like that my humanity, you're being so dismissive. So if anyone bears the brunt of responsibility, I'm going back with you on that. I think it's Margaret. I think that Margaret is the one that is pushing Elsa to act so ridiculously in many scenarios. I feel like she's just so... Right. Well, she's floundering. She's right. Floundering.
2: Because, whether because it's her own experience or because she can't imagine a future where they're not bound by the rigid rules of society. That's what I, I think. Now that we're talking about, it, I really think because this the the failures conversation, the the clip we played where she's making love to Sam and having the voiceover about I understood my mother's worries, but she's taking what she came from and 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 bringing it into the new society. I didn't really understand that line until now that we're talking about it. She She's talking about this, this idea of Margaret is so locked into what society and what life is in a way that James and Elsa seem to not be locked into it, that she is imposing these rules on Elsa in a way that is damaging their relationship. You're right. She is the one forcing the situation. Elsa is is acting immaturely, for sure, but she is also being diminished and devalued by her mother.
0: And left with no other recourse but to rebel. As a woman, but but as a young person, I can a hundred percent feel that i'm not walking to my own death oprah says if someone tries to take you from a location you never go to the second location take your stand at the first location because the second one they're going to have more prepared for you bad things it's going to be their lair okay so you take your stand in that parking lot or you take your stand in that alley don't go to the second location That's where Elsa's at. She is here and she's hearing this. She's hearing these threats that your freedom is going to be taken from you. Everything that you're allowed to do here, you will no longer be allowed to do. Don't go to the second location, chick. Don't go. It's the safe thing to do, honestly.
2: That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. I think really bolsters or it gives some much needed credence to why Elsa is acting the way she is. Because just on its face, if you don't really sit there and think about it really hard to defend Elsa's actions in this episode but it's one of the things I love talking about this and I know we go long (laughs) (laughs) but
0: but to be fair at the beginning of this conversation even before we hit record you had a different kind of feel about Elsa I think and I think even I did but as we're discussing this as we're talking about the input she's getting from Margaret the lack of support she's really getting from James the way she's being talked about as an object between James and Sam and then we're kind of getting to the Like, don't go to the second location. You're being told, you're being threatened that everything's going to be taken from you. Suddenly, I mean, doesn't this episode feel different?
2: It, It does. It does. It makes it makes her what seem like irrational and or immature decisions or impulsive decisions. You actually you actually start to see why she actually may be doing it, why she may be acting this way and making these choices.
0: She's fighting for her life. Literally.
2: They're her choices at least it's the one thing she's been told she will not be able to do is make her own choices so right or wrong hell or high water at least she's making her own choices at this point and controlling her narrative
0: that's what i will go with a thousand percent and i I think that everyone is willing to live uh, a less ideal life and i think you can speak to this i think you actually can a less ideal life under their own volition versus living a cushier life where you feel trapped.
2: Oh yes. That is that is a true statement <laughs> that's that, that, right? that, that is a true statement that I uh, I could say resonates.
0: Yeah, Caroline Yes Mike. <laughs> what's one of my
2: very favorite thing to talk about in podcasts? Whatever oh, the show is. Rites and rituals. Rights and, <laughs> and rituals. I love rites and rituals. And you know what goes right along with rites and rituals? Vows. Ceremonies? Vows, what? Vows. Vows and ceremonies. Were your
0: feelings hurt when they weren't gonna have a ceremony?
2: Ah, but I I have a I have a feeling and I want to lay it all out for you. Because okay. let, let's start with where it starts. Margaret okay. again driving that wedge with her daughter says, well, at least have vows. Have a ceremony. God needs to bless this so it has some kind of chance. Real condescending. Even to me, someone who loves rites and rituals. Not that I endorse them. I'm just fascinated by them as a societal thing. Let's listen to Margaret uh, hammer home with her daughter why she needs to exchange vows with Sam.
1: So, is
4: there some form of ceremony? No ceremony. All I ask have a ceremony save Al's before God so this at least has a chance
1: he saved my life twice he saved your husband's life too I don't need to ask God's permission to love him God sent him
2: this is not a situation that seems like it is screaming out for vows and ceremonies, right? We, she, we, had that great uh, uh, line from her and Ennis from a couple of episodes ago, in the wake of Ennis's death.
1: We were no longer under the cloud of civilization; only sky above us now. No more walking over bridges. Out here, we swim horseback through rivers. There is nowhere to chain love to vows and ceremony Out here, love burns through you like a fever And when the devil comes to rip that love from you There is no funeral with somber speeches that dull our senses And deaden our hearts Out here, you turn toward the pain as it tears into you And you let it When you do, the devil gets bored He takes another soul to eat. And you get to live again.
2: Back in episode six, Elsa repudiates this idea. She specifically says there's nowhere the chain love to vow and ceremony. And everyone, it seemed collectively, was treating her as a widow of Ennis, someone in mourning for his death. I didn't hear Margaret saying, talking about vows and ceremonies there unless she's counting sex up against the rock in the middle of the night as a vow (laughs) or ceremony you know so why this change margaret why is it because it feels more more final more margaret uh, more that elsa won't be coming along whereas with ennis ennis was coming with them i
0: think so i think also the exchange of basically that um dowry with the horse to give her to sam in that Mm -hmm. way where they were sort of like so it was like they were kind of doing like a half way tradition kind of thing if you will and she was saying can we just like finish this out more properly if this is what you're going to do and and the fact that she was going to no longer be with them like she's saying she's going to stay behind with him and all this stuff then if you're going to do this please let's do this as properly as possible i think that was the the basic gist
2: he, so, he was such a young goofball, and I also knew he was sticking with us because he had been hired on to the trail, so you weren't going anywhere. Like, immediately, one, this feels more real, right? You're doing the dowry exchange. These Comanches don't seem like they fuck around, like, not like Ennis. Like, like Sam's literally bringing a whole tribe with him behind his back. Ennis had Wade, you know? Like, <laughs> right. you know, like it seems much more significant what yeah. she's signing up for with Sam. The interesting thing here was because Elsa in her... In her knee-jerk reaction to her mother, based on whether whether at, out of impertinence and immaturity, or in rubbing against this this condescending, devaluing that she's that she's picking up from her mother, she says, "I don't need God's permission. God sent him to me." I would say, Caroline, and here is my theory. Here is my hypothesis. Where I the love about rites and rituals and vows. She wakes up in the morning uh, at the end of the episode. She has the painted vest, right? The very colorful, beautiful uh, riding vest that Sam has left for her. She dons that. A garment, a present upon upon her wedding. She dons that garment. And as they part, she stops and she yells out in Comanche and then translates it into English to Sam. I love you. I love you. I love you. For all of them to hear, the immigrants as well as the Comanche tribe. She declares her love for him. He doesn't do a translation, but he dec- he declares loudly and across the plain for all to hear, all of his people to hear. He says, "Lightning with the yellow hair. Know this is your home. Know I am waiting. Know you fill my heart. Know you are the wife of a warrior. Know you are a warrior. I dare say, Caroline, these two exchange vows and have a ceremony right there on the goddamn plains."
0: Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, all that she was trying to say was to please have some sort of public, you know, announcement of your feelings for one yeah. another. Yeah, that's it. And the thing is that the thing that I am a little bit puzzled by and I'm tilting my head about is since when do we have some sort of like snotty attitude about God, Elsa? Like, since when are you like, I don't need God to have my any blessing on me? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa five seconds ago you're all like god is the land and blah 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 and all this stuff like when all of a sudden did you get all like turn your back on god like i'm not like a very religious person so i'm not like i'm not like offended by this but i am sort of like again just tilting my head like that's not really like you why would you be like that
2: I agree with you. I thought that was an interesting thing. Two things I, I was thinking about towards this, and uh, let me let me toss them out at you and, and see how they both hit you because they're kind of disconnected. One is I don't need God's permission, but then she says God sent him to me, which the the second clause kind of modifying the first, does that defang the snottiness? So it's less I don't need God's permission and more I don't need God's permission because clearly he's blessed it. He sent him to me. I know the delivery doesn't really support it.
0: I think it's the tone and the delivery that doesn't support it. I agree with what you're saying that, yeah, it seems like, you know, they're, they're kind of saying like, it's all good. Like I'm all good with, with nature and God, because you know, that's how he, he was landed in my path here because of, you know, my relationship with the land and God and nature and all that stuff. And that's all good. I think the way that she said it, and maybe this is just because of my own life experience or experience with other TV shows. When you say, I don't need God's permission That's, you're kind of invoking a much bigger feeling than just what Elsa is saying. Like, you're kind of borrowing this phrase that then brings in all these other things that you've heard in your life where someone says, I don't need God's permission. It's a pretty dismissive and um kind usually like a denial of God. Like it's he, I don't have anything to do with him
2: or her. <laughs> I, my my alternative theory goes more towards what you're talking about here in the traditional uh way that this delivery is taken. I think if if I was so inclined to sit here and, and, and make you listen to a bunch of clips, I think we could build a case that as this show has gone on, Elsa goes from God made this beautiful land and I can't believe I get to be a part of it. And there has been an arc where she is increasingly feeling distant from God. And, or maybe better put, God is distant from her. Maybe even more better put, God doesn't give a fuck about her or any of these people. God didn't make this land for them. That God doesn't make the animals for them. God doesn't give a shit about them. This is hell. The demons are everywhere. God is an absentee landlord, to quote Al Pacino from uh, The Devil's Advocate, Th- this, that there is an arc here where Elsa is becoming angry and or disillusioned with God, that God doesn't care about her or her people and what happens to them, certainly didn't care about Ennis, so why should she care about God?
0: You can go, you can go there. I wouldn't have gone there. I, I mean, it was only one episode ago where she said – Heaven and hell and God is the land.
2: Right, but she's at Mm. war with the land though. I feel I feel that there's an arc where she's increasingly feeling that they are at war with the land.
0: I uh, a thousand percent get you. I just I think that mm -hmm, that's so rough because it like flies in the face of so many different things. And maybe it's meant to feel so chaotic, you know, in terms of like how are you so engrossed in the in the Comanche way of life and then be at war with the land. Like, pick a side. What are you doing? What are what is your deal right now?
2: You Specifically, know? since Sam scolds her father or yeah. educates her father about the fact that it's white man who yes. is who is at war with the land. And and actually, there's that great clip and the uh, perfect place to play it where James has is trading for bullets and he asks the Comanche he's dealing with about the conquistador helmet that he has, and at least this great conversation about about white man and the land from the spanish
3: you know they tried to take our land too i ain't taking nothing i'm just passing through our land cannot be taken white man thinks he took it white man is like the wolf he kills everything until only the wolves are left and the wolves kill each other and there's nothing and the land is free again. That sounds
2: about right. If Elsa is feeling at war with the land because the land is God and God, she has this adverse relationship to him. The Comanches feel very differently. You know, this idea that the land is is only going to be free again once the white man has gone. And which the white man will do itself. It will exterminate itself when there's nothing left to kill. It'll kill itself off.
0: Yeah. And I'm willing to say that it's okay that it doesn't make sense right now, because I do think that it represents the, everyone right now seems confused about what their relationship is with the land and with each other and society and, you know, all the different parts, all of these characters seem like they're having their own personal struggle with where do I fit in? How much do I, you know, attribute to nature or am I fighting with nature or does it have my back or does it not have my back? Like, like, it's a constant evolution with each of the characters and I think it, I think it was just that because it was this pivotal moment for her like this this milestone moment of like having like some sort of wedding or ceremony or some sort of just like moment of appreciation of this whatever vowel exchange kind of thing, what a weird place to put in this declaration that i don't need god's permission like it just felt like a. have her be more unsure have her be like i don't know where god fits in when it comes to this but what i do know is i love him and he loves me and that's all i need to know you know like let it be let it be the chaos that it is don't make a declaration like you already figured it out does that make sense
2: it does and and i'm glad you brought up the the entire concept because it definitely made me cock my head a little bit too when she said it Um, And I was wrestling with which 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 was the right way to take it.
0: I think I'm going with it's okay to take it either way, because I think our character is takes it different ways on different days.
2: Right. Which, again, I mean, the show does have a naturally built in cushion with those kinds of things. They can be wishy washy, honestly, with Elsa and who she is, because at her time of her life, who she is literally age wise It vacillates. It does vacillate wildly. It would be much more troubling if James or Margaret, uh, were being as inconsistent, uh, you know, depending on which day of the week it is as Elsa can be, but. It's right that she's like that because she sees the world maybe completely differently, 180 degrees from one day to the next, because that's what that age is. So
0: we And we both have teenagers. I mean, one minute they're laughing, the next minute they're crying, whatever. You know, one minute they're snuggling you, the next moment they're like, get away from me, and like run away to their room. Okay. Okay, Elsa, we see you. We know what's going on.
2: (laughs) It's been eight episodes, Caroline. Eight episodes. But I feel like we have finally settled the question of leadership
0: i know and shockingly definitively like actually laid it out like you do this and i'll do that and if you go this way that means that and the end wow
2: stakes ultimatums promises made and and there are agreements and agreements dang let's listen to the counter offer that james makes to the immigrants after shay's Telling them that they're going to go to Denver without really asking them, which James had pointed out to him earlier, was not the right way to do it. If
3: you want to push on, we'll push on in the spring. I'm heading north. Anyone wants to ride with me, you're welcome. Got good remuda horses, plenty of beef, and I can't think of a better place to learn to ride. You come with me, I ain't going to baby you like he did. You're going to work. You're going to keep up because I ain't crossing the mountains in the snow and I ain't wintering in no fort. You're going to get them all killed. Now people die in Denver, too. It's their choice. Question is, what you going to do when they make it?
2: feel like I am definitely team James here. This idea of if they die, they die. It was their choice is very persuasive to me. If if they've been told what the stakes are, you have to let them choose. Am I completely off base? Is that too cold hearted? What's your feeling?
0: No, that's exactly how I felt. I mean, they came on this journey. And don't forget, you've only known them Mr. Shea, for a small portion of their journey. They have come across the ocean. You know, they have survived their own country to get here and, and they have an idea of where they want to be. I don't think it is right to, to change the course of their journey without their permission. You know, you have to give them the choice and you have to give them the information to give them the choice. I think James was right.
2: Uh, what do you think about his tough love approach? this i can't think of any better place for y'all to learn how to ride we are not going to be mozing out of here around noonish and doing brunch on the on the trail we're going to be up at the crack of dawn moving is this just what this group needs some some definitive whip cracking
0: think they need some more structure. I think that that's something that's been kind of lacking and it, and it was always chalked up to, well, Joseph, you should be telling your people what to be doing. And if you don't want to do it, then pick another leader within this group. Shea and Thomas have both wanted to just kind of be hands off. Like, you know, we'll basically point you in the right direction and we'll be walking along, but we're really not guiding you and we're certainly not leading you. We're not providing any structure for you. Cookie was the first structure they actually provided them.
2: Only and only because of an ultimatum that forced it. Right. Because James forced it.
0: A thousand percent. So yeah, I mean, I think at this point, James James knows what's up. He is going to pursue his own dream and I think that gives him a ton of respect for the fellow dreamers of the group. I did want to say we never really touched on what's the difference between a dreamer and a believer. And I thought really hard about that. My thought is a believer can get behind an idea where the dreamer originates the idea. Did you feel differently about that? Because this is a group of dreamers and believers.
2: I agree with that and I would say even further I think you need both to make it go you need the margarets to believe in the jameses because they provide grounding organization and you know they they're the ones who put the pills in the little organizer to make sure you take your right pills on sunday and the right pills on monday you know that's what the believer does they believe in the dreamer but they understand that you can't leave the dreamer to work out all of the fine details themselves go and and i think ultimately that's what makes margaret and james work as a couple i just wish that they were on more I i just wish they had better dialogue about some larger high level issues is communication
0: that severely lacking
2: <laughs> yes yes like 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 specific important things i think they actually talk about their family very well i think they talk about elsa in in a in an interesting way and in a very without uh, censoring themselves i mean she says she's feral she says he says "Do you really want to beat that out of her though like isn't she better off that like they have really honest conversations like that but they don't ever find a time around those campfires to say hey bud Where are we headed to generally? You know, I don't think you're taking us to a city. Where are we going?
0: Do you ever not have a conversation with someone because, you know, they don't know either. And so it's just like, what's the point of this conversation? Because I think that if Margaret were to say, where exactly are we going? There's not actually an answer. So because I think she knows that this there's this whole like, I just believe in him so I believe that he'll get us to someplace at some point. Like, I don't think there is an answer.
2: Is it fair to say believe and trust are synonymous in this situation? Because trust, trust is, it was a sneaky episode theme because you have margaret telling elsa that she trusts her father that he's got a map inside his head and she has decided to trust him to get us there and then you have this clip between shay and james and this is the actual settling of the leadership question but it comes kind of down to this idea of trust
0: I think that trust is something that I use my mind to usually come up with. I like weigh the the pros and cons. I think about whether I trust someone. Belief is something I feel and it's not something that I have to actually run through my brain. I just feel it. I can believe in something without it being practical, without it necessarily making sense. Whereas when I'm trusting someone, I tend to really like look for the proof in order to trust the person, in this case, that's why I think that she can trust Elsa and believe in James. It's like a different type of love.
2: Let's listen to James and Shay talk about trust.
3: So no damper for you. These folks don't trust me anymore, and I don't trust them for making the right choice for themselves. Can't lead people I don't trust. But you trust them. They come a long way. I trust their desire to see it through. I'm gonna trust you. I think I can live with that. But you're gonna have to lead them. I'll guide them and I'll protect them. But you lead them. I can do that. I'm gonna leave that with you. Oh hell no! I'm liable to crawl in this some bitch trying to figure
2: out what to do with that girl.
3: It's looking like you might have to trust her too, James.
2: They say trust so much in that section.
0: I know, but I like it because it's sort of just what I said in terms of like James says, I've I've seen how far these immigrants have gone. So I trust them. There's like a proof as opposed to belief, which is like you don't have to have proven it to me necessarily. I just I know you will do it. I just know you will in my heart that it can happen, even though I don't have any proof. Does
2: that make sense? No, no, I, I like that a lot. I think that's a really good description of the two of those two ideas and how they kind of work together, but are also different. Are they using trust accurate? Are they using trust correctly here? Is she, I mean, they're trusting in the immigrants. I trust in them. Like, I don't trust people that I don't agree with what they're doing. I, I, I don't know. I feel like they're, <laughs> Do you deva- think it's over you? I I feel like they're, I feel like they're, you know, like not to quote, you know, Inigo Montoya, but, I, I do not think you understand what that word means. i don't th- I, you know I do not think that mean word that word means what you think it means, you know. Well-
0: and maybe that's kind of a little bit the point of it, that it is kind of a versatile word and that you do apply it in different situations, but it does have different levels of intensity. You know, whether you're trusting your spouse or whether you trust like the pilot to get you to your location, you're doing those based on different facts, right? Like, and so that's why you trust the person, but it's different intensities that you trust to someone. Um, but you're right. I mean, I wonder if that's, if it's meant to be some sort of like, like a, like a story device to To continuously use the same word over and over and over again to sort of, I don't know, in some way for me, it desensitizes me and it makes the word less
2: impactful That's what I was saying, yeah, they say it so often, it just sounds like a sound after a while in that clip, like trust, trust, does. trust trust, 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 you know But like, in another
0: way, it also kind of like, just when you said it like that, it makes me think of like the the, um uh, like the train
2: It does have a train, yeah
0: Okay, now that sounds weird, except for that's a very comforting feeling. That's a very like, it's it's going the way it's supposed to be going. So there's something about that that feels like, just keep going. Just keep saying it then. Just please keep saying it. I want you to keep saying it because somehow there's like this rhythm to it that makes you just go with it. I think it's a storytelling device.
2: I'll, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. I, I'm curious to see how this all plays out now because, you know, this is something that we have been asking for. You and I have been asking for literally almost every single episode since we've been, since we started. And now we have our decision. And it's James who we, I think, both felt was the right one to be the leader anyway. He was the one who could make choices and seemed motivated to keep. This group together, because I think he understands at some point strength in numbers is going to be an asset to him over being a liability. So that all makes sense. I'm curious, though, in that clip, Shay says, I'll protect them. I'll watch over them, but you have to lead them. What does that actually mean? what does that mean for thomas is thomas completely done now is he just an immigrant on the trail with noemi does he have no say anymore at the leadership meeting councils do they not have the leadership councils anymore james doesn't seem like someone who unless he has to really asks or invites a lot of opinion on things what does this mean for the power structure is this just the james dutton show now or do Shay and Thomas still have a role to play here? Does Thomas even care? I mean, when we see them taking off, James and Shay are helping that straight, that woman that we don't know yeah, ride with the, the horses horse. tickle in its tickle in its wings and stuff like you know like I love that way. He was describing how you like, yeah. like it's like you're tickling the, the horse. Your you're tickling the horse, you know, like the <laughs> flank the flank is like the armpit of the horse. Um you know, but Noemi and Thomas he's is funny. just there with Noemi. That's he's not helping all of the group, he's just helping Noemi learned learn how to ride which clearly you know it was a very funny scene and you know but is thomas just a guy on the trail now like what does I this see, mean you
0: wanted this so bad you wanted this noemi and thomas business and i was like i don't want this romance because it's gonna mess things up and i was like oh just be more casual friends don't go full like this i don't know because now we've got thomas with noemi fine but now if james is the leader then is Shay become this asterisks at the bottom of the story where you're like, Oh, and BT dubs, Shay was also on the ride. Bomber. If that's the way it goes, that's not what I want. And I don't really see if James and Shay kind of pair up. I don't know if that a thousand percent works for me because then I feel like we're super sidelining Margaret. And I'm like, I really don't want to do that. I really wanted them to have, like we were saying, more, more communication, more conversations, more being on the same page, what this journey is, having it more together. I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Where's Shea, where does Shay specifically fit in? Because I think if you figure out where Shay fits in, you understand where Thomas or James fit in.
2: I feel like Shay by nature is going to be maybe a little bit Waldorf and Statler to the situation, but I feel like he's naturally going to fade. This all started because James... Doesn't like the decisions that Shay is making and Shay and Thomas are making. He fought them almost every step of the way, or proposed even when they agreed. He proposed doing it a slightly different way, like crossing the Red River. Like they understood that they all they all understood they had to cross the Red River, but it was James who had a way different than what Shay and Thomas were going to do. He so now that he's been anointed the leader, I don't see him becoming more solicitous of opinions that he doesn't agree with. So that I feel like that has to. Side lane chain. Maybe Shay's role becomes more like Elder Statesman, where he becomes more what he thought Joseph should have been. Maybe he becomes more of a link between the people and the leader. Or he becomes a confidant because Sam's not going to be on the trail. Maybe he does become more of a confidant with Elsa. Maybe they are going to pair them up in a confidant-mentor relationship.
0: Okay, I could see that. That makes sense to me. It, it definitely feels like Shay is going to become some sort of utilita- utilitarian type character. Maybe sometimes plays someone for James to talk to a little bit as like, well, you used to be the leader. This is hard and I'm having a rough day or whatever, right? Maybe even, like you said, maybe some little part with Elsa, some sort of sounding board, something like that. Every once in a while, some sort of pal for Thomas. Like maybe he's going to start floating cleanup for a bunch of different Situations. I'm
2: in charge of tickling the horses.
0: <laughs> well, now all of a sudden he's that role, right? Like where he would have he would have delegated that. He'd have been like Joseph, wow. go tell her to knock it off, right?
2: Stop, stop he, tickling the flanks, Joseph.
0: Right. He would have never done it himself, though. You know.
2: Let's talk about that in scene because this can uh, lead us into our cleanup. You know, uh, lightning round. I felt for the first time that these immigrants felt like pioneers. There is, there is a vibe, I dare say electricity among this group of travelers that we have not seen in the previous seven episodes. At the start of their ride uh, at the end of this episode, you have Risa and Joseph, Joseph riding the wagon. Risa, she's riding a horse. She's doing little loopies. She's telling him, stop speaking German, Joseph. We're Americans now. We're Americans now. And they had that cute little banter. He says, you be the cowboy. I'll drive the wagon. That's pioneer spirit. You've got grandma riding the horse. You've got Thomas smacking the ass of Noemi's horse and sending her off and learning how to ride. Like These guys feel engaged. For the first time, all it took was the destruction of all of their wagons and the loss of all their property. They're pioneers now, I dare say. Caroline, is that too much paprika on the sandwich?
0: (laughs) No, no, I agree with you.
2: Curious. I mean, it it, was it just that they needed a firm hand. Maybe sleeping into noon every day was not the right way. They, you know, it it does seem like there is a revitalization, but. I, would, I hesitate to even say revitalized. I don't feel like these guys have really been invested in the journey. The immigrants themselves have not felt like pioneers or really invested in the journey. They really felt like they were being dragged along. I think having made the decision to not go to Denver, having made the decision to sign up with James, and you know, hell, you know, hell or high water, whatever's going to come, we're going to face it. I feel like that's put some pep in their step. They feel like a group motivated to move north. For the first time.
0: I think finally they feel a part of the decision making. So now they're a part of the group. And then there's like that there's like a renewed pledge to one another. Like we're all gonna be together. We all decided to go this direction together on purpose. Like we could have made another pick and we made this pick. So let's all really throw in together now. And and, and it feels like that's the only way this group is gonna succeed. But we felt that way the whole time. It's just about time that it really happened.
2: One of the themes of the episode that we hadn't yet talked about, and it was a minor one, but I know it's one I think that's near and dear to Taylor Sheridan's heart, is this idea of the country disappearing or the open land spaces disappearing. And we played the clip earlier of the uh, Comanche talking to James about how the white man destroys the land, you know, kills everything, kills itself, and then the land is free again, which definitely is part of that, is part of that thought process. But it's made even more explicit via Taylor's character on the show Charlie Goodnight when he's talking about barbed wire let's listen to this clip
3: come across any barbed wire yet never heard of it it's twisted steel wire with little bobs woven into it sharp as a nice tip it is the one fence cattle will not push through they're gonna carve this country in little rectangles and fence them off and just like that two of our great pleasures are gone
2: that's so defeatist, but also feels like such a running theme in all of Taylor's works. It's certainly a theme of Yellowstone. It's uh, clearly, clearly a concern he has here. Um, what, what what was your take on there?
0: Okay, there was a movie with Kevin Costner called Open Range. It was like featuring barbed wire and how it like completely changed the face of the country. So I'm I'm wondering how much overlap we have in 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 these various storylines.
2: Yeah, I mean, that definitely seems to be a a creative side feeling about the, I don't want to say destruction, I I want to say the loss of this country's open land. I I mean, it's been one of Shade's, uh, you know, governing thoughts. And clearly him and Charlie, one one of the parts of their friendship is this idea of the West was better before it was settled, right? Remember what he says to Thomas in early in the season, I want to see it one more time, once more before it's settled, once more before it's ruined. Like that's ruined is, is a very strong and very specific word, not unlike they're going to carve this country up into little rectangles. And then two of the world's great pleasures will be gone. Uh, two of the great pleasures will be gone. You didn't need to include it in the episode. So the fact that he did, just signals to me that Taylor wants us to make sure we're aware that we are seeing a country that doesn't exist anymore in this show. For the worse. I think if you were to ask Taylor, he would say barbed wire made this country worse than without barbed wire.
0: I think we see that a lot in, in the Yellowstone series where it very seems like so, the yeah. land is as open as possible. And anytime they deal with barbed wire, it's like hurting the animals. Mm-hmm. You know, Wasn't there one really very, very recently where the, the calf was all wrapped up in the barbed wire and they have to cut the fence and, and all that kind of stuff. And it was, like, a real, like, sad kind of thing.
2: Uh, that was – uh, yeah, Kevin was with – uh, where John Dutton's with Piper, I think, uh-huh. when they got. across to, And
0: they stop and they, and they try it and, they, and they fix it and everything. But the whole thing is, like, this real, like, regretting kind of having to use this invention that you wish you didn't have to because it does – Create all this these problems, but at the same time, it's sort of like a necessary evil in order to keep things, you know, s- some amount of lack of chaos, not not exactly organized.
2: There's a there's a great overlap in this episode uh, that involves fencing again, with a great scene from Yellowstone this season. Watchers of Yellowstone will recall there were a group of mustang horses that got loose from the reservation. Mo and Casey are charged with getting them back. Uh, it was someone cut a hole in the fencing. And that is how the horses got out. Um, they they discover them in a federal pen. And then there is a breathtaking scene where Moe and Casey and some other people from the Broken Rock Reservation basically herd the Mustangs back to the reservation pen in a great scene of, of horses running wild, which I, I think I said in the episode of Yellowstone. I could watch that all day. I find it very peaceful to watch Wild Horses Run. And then we get this beautiful scene in this episode of them herding the mustangs by chasing them and running with them. I love that. It's so fucking beautiful watching horses run. I'm watching horses run in a group, and they ran into kind of a soft rope- pen like a makeshift pen that the immigrants formed up so just a nice another nice little parallel to illiston this season um and i think i think we hit everything i feel like we did this was this has been a long one but there's a lot to talk about here there is something we have to mention and i'm not going to make a big deal of it i was kind of hot in the collar about it beforehand but i'm not going to make a big deal about it now <laughs> maybe <laughs> bet-
0: because caroline said don't make a big deal out of
2: it and you've, you've you've talked to me for two hours and you've, you've, you've sued the beast inside my breast (laughs) eagle-eyed viewers will note in this episode that elsa makes a point to say she's 18 and the law says an 18 year old is an adult and she is a woman and she is 18 18 18 18 okay it was episode two made very clear elsa had just turned 17 so for whatever reason And then later in this episode, literally the next day, Elsa compares herself to her mother who was 17 when she was pregnant with Elsa, and Elsa makes a point to say, you are the same age as I am now, and so why do you get to know what love is and I don't? So why have this point about making her 18 in this episode? I'm going to try I, – I think narratively, the point she's making about being an adult works whether she is 18 or 17 because I think in 1883, whether you're 17 or 18, you're basically in midlife and you're an adult for all intents and purposes. I think it is a hard slog to say a 17-year-old can't make the same decisions an 18-year-old is in this world.
0: So we're going to put that on the bulletin board and we're not going to discuss it any further because we do understand that there was an episode in episode two where they said she's turned 17 and now she's saying she's 18 in episode eight. And we know very well that a year has not passed. So we're going to just put that on the bulletin board, follow this along, see if they go back and say something else. We'll just watch it. (laughs) It's very hard for Mike to let it go, but we're gonna let it go.
2: But we are absolutely gonna let it go. We
0: have paid attention to it. We put a spotlight on it, and it's on the bulletin board to be monitored. You're gonna put your stink eye right on it and watch it.
2: I have I have a new meditation word. <laughs> I am. I've been practicing it. Do you know what it is? I
0: have no idea.
2: Hop it the puppy. Hop it the puppy. Hop it the poppy. It the poppy. <laughs> I find I find I find the back end of Elsa's reservation name, her, her yellow lightning hair, lightning yellow hair. Uh, hoppy to poppy is how it ends. And I find okay. it very soothing. And I say okay. it to myself, and it makes me breathe easy. So
0: Excellent. Well, on that note, this is Caroline.
2: And this is Mike. Thank you for listening to the Yellowstone Podcast 1883 episodes. If you wouldn't mind heading over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and rate, review, and subscribe. And while you are there, but particularly at Apple or Spotify Podcasts, if you to with a five-star rating, we would most appreciate it. It helps in the show getting seen and the podcast player is promoting the show and just visibility for the show. So if you could do that, that would be great so that we don't have to run off. We want us all to stay together and be happy. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production.